0: Talking Leaders is a Vokwin Excess production. We help leaders who want people to really hear what they have to say. Today on Talking Leaders, I'm talking with three people from AG Communications, and they are Lynn Ashcroft-Griffiths, Katie Humes, and Hugh Stewart-Buttle. Welcome all. Welcome, Welcome, thanks. thanks. So let's start, Lynn, Now, you set up, was it nine years ago?
1: Yes, nine years
0: ago. And I think you started off, it was very much about helping leaders develop Good communication, help them develop great content. But but something happened, though, I think, when you started working like that, that made you realise you needed to add a bit more. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, we saw very quickly that it wasn't just about the communications that leaders needed help with. It was actually developing themselves as well as a leader, how they worked with their people, with their teams, with other leaders across projects. And we identified that This was a journey, and it wasn't just a journey identifying the strategic communications needs, but it was also how do they deliver within their organizations and how do they actually make things happen? And it was those elements that we found leaders really needed some tricks, tools. And things to really help them make this happen in the organisation.
0: Yeah. Now, one of the things that uh, certainly attracted to me when I was reading about you is that you are mostly staffed. Most of your people have been on both sides, so to speak. You've got a lot of people who've actually been uh, in leadership positions and have had to do do this kind of of communication, as well as also now have got the, the, the communication skills to help and develop others.
1: Absolutely. And uh, some of the team members that I'm working with, uh, I mean, they're experts in their field. They've come out of industry because of personal reasons or they've wanted to develop their own businesses. And we come together collectively to support our clients.
0: When you say clients, give us an idea of, of who your clients are.
1: So we're working with really small startup companies. We're working with large global organizations as well across the pharmaceutical sector, healthcare. We're working also in manufacturing, in the banking industry. It it has quite a large range. And the reason we're able to work across all these sectors is because the challenges that our leaders have and our clients have are around people and development of them as a leader or their journey in an organisation. And actually, it doesn't really matter which sector it is. Because people all around the world have needs and that's what we're supporting our leaders with.
0: Right. And when you say leader, are we talking about the top people in these organisations, the people in the sort of C-suite and the the big titles?
1: We are talking about those, but more often we're talking about more more junior managers and leaders in the organisations too. So whether you are a subject matter expert that's got your first leadership role versus you've just moved into a C-suite position and need to communicate and impact in a very different way.
0: Yeah. Give us an example, though, then, of, of, of this idea. So the idea is that you, you don't just come along and say, you, you know, you need this great PowerPoint pack and a few videos and, and you help people build that. You, you do more than that. You, you teach the theory, you help develop the content, and then you also support the people through to actually delivering. Give us an example that illustrates that, if you could.
1: So we had um, a client who was looking for how do we develop the organisation so they are ready for the future? So they are ready for the new advances in technology, in machine learning and automation. And we found pockets of people in the organization who were very skilled at this and had a lot of experience, but they were not exposed to the rest of the organization. We thought initially it was a communications activity through sharing stories and best practice and role modelling. But what we realised was if we want to make a real difference in this organisation, we need to activate some behaviours here to change. And we launched a programme that allowed people across organisational boundaries and geographies to connect with each other in a way so they could mentor each other and they could provide job opportunities and secondment opportunities in areas of the organisation that had never been exposed before.
0: Mm. When you say launched a programme, so what what did people actually do then? How did it work?
1: So we asked people to register their skills and experience in specific areas and we also asked Individuals to register on what they were really looking for. And it was almost like a, a dating app where we connected people across the organization based on their skills and needs. And we connected them into mentor relationships across the organization.
0: Uh huh. Wow. Wow. It worked, I'm assuming.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, every quarter, we launch a new wave of mentoring. So as your needs change and as you grow and you develop, you need new things, and that's how we get the movement across the organisation and get the job rotations across the organisation as well, giving people opportunities to do new things and learn in the role. Right. For example, we had one line manager in Sweden who was very technically experienced but hadn't really had a team of people in other countries, and through a reorganisation – he suddenly had a team of 20 people based in India. Mm -hmm. This program allowed us to connect him with another leader in the organization that had extensive experience of working with the teams in India.
0: Wow, that's a great example. So it's kind of thing that if you bumped into somebody in the corridor, it would be really good, but you're having to wait on the happenstance of that. You just log into the database and, and, uh, and there they were. So that's a really good example
1: absolutely and, and in today's world we're all working virtually so it doesn't happen in the corridor any longer and how can we connect people and make things happen across the virtual organization mm-hmm. and that-
0: where the success came from mm. now in developing your offering as we said you start off initially saying we'll help you build your comms but then you realized there were other things you needed to add i know you've added several specialities and, and, uh, and areas of expertise to help you and we've got katie and we've got hugh here with us just give us a, a list before we speak to them specifically of, of maybe some of the other expert areas that you've built into ag comms and that you can now offer to clients
1: So we have a great range of skills across the team, from business psychology to media and uh, presenting externally, to leading and providing events virtually and face-to-face. We have filmmakers, we have HR business partners, we have culture professionals, and also change management. Yep. We've also got people based in different countries around the world that speak many languages, from Swedish to Spanish to French. We even have Scottish and British Sign Language to our skill set.
0: Really? Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, that's very interesting. All right, let's look at some of the areas in, in detail. And because we've got Katie and Hugh with us, let's focus on psychology and then transformation and change. If I could turn to Katie. So, Katie, you're a business psychologist, yeah? That's
2: right, Yeah.
0: So what does that mean? Does that mean that you go in and put people on the couch and do a bit of psychotherapy or not?
2: Funnily enough, that's what a lot of people imagine I do, but yeah. it's at very far from what I actually do. So rather than taking a Freudian approach and and asking people to sit down and talk about their parental relationships. When you're working in businesses, it's much more about uh, understanding what people's drivers are, what their motivations are, um, and helping both organizations and individuals to maximize performance in a really meaningful way. Mm. So a lot of what I do with AG comms is I'm the the analysis behind the solution so I come in and I take the information that the organization have to hand or sometimes we might go in and seek some information through interviews or questionnaires I get an understanding of where they are at the moment where they would like to move to and help them to find the rationale and the support to understand which pathway is most relevant for them and likely to give them success.
0: Okay can you give us an example of
2: not long ago, we did a big project with a company who had a problem with their workers going native whenever they went into a partner or client organization. So they were a lot of engineers and technical people who would go in and work on site for a client. And when they did that, they would change their their LinkedIn profile so that they were suddenly looking like they were employees of the client organization rather than the actual parent organization. They stopped communicating with their host organization and there was just a, a real kind of problem here where they didn't have that identity with their parent organization once they went into a client organization. So what we did was we went in and we we ran some analysis. we got some of their organizational metrics we looked at their website we looked at their communications uh, we looked at some of their managing styles and the way that they worked with their people the way that their managers were communicating and what we discovered there were some issues there in terms of how they were managing people particularly their remote workers in a sense that they were managing very strongly within the head office but once they had people going out remotely they weren't engaging them so they weren't uh, communicating regularly they weren't supporting people when they had issues with family life and things like that. They weren't really able to come to their their line manager. Instead, they were able to go to their client project manager. So we helped them to uh, to identify those issues and then work. Work through finding some solutions, which they were able to then take internally and take ownership of. And what were the the, the sort of
0: negatives that were, were arising due to people going native when they went, went out to these other companies?
2: So when people go native, they no longer think about doing things like building business leads for the organization. They don't think about feeding back information to the organization in terms of what clients want, uh, what changes are happening, afoot. So. It basically means that the organization becomes blind to their customers' needs and what's happening internally. Whereas if you have people who are really strongly engaged and identified with their parent organization, even when they go and work on site every day with a client, they then feed information back, they help to build new business leads, and they, they create more of a two-way communication stream. And I
0: guess maybe there's even a risk that they might leave and decide, well, they'll just make the full step and, and maybe join the, the organization where they've been placed.
2: Yes, and that's true. And that did happen for one of the managers that I spoke to within that organization. She did say that she knew that were they to lose a tender with one of their clients and were it to go to a competitor, that all of her team would go to that competitor because they identified more strongly with the project than they did with the parent organization.
0: Wow. So all that expertise that you've built up by them working with that client and also the strong client relationships all lost in the blink of an eye. Yep. Uh, did it work yep. then, your, your program?
2: Yes. They have certainly got stronger identity now with the organization. They've built some, um, some new training programs for some of their new graduates so that they start from the, the skill building from the earliest part of their uh, entry into the organization. And they've built some of their management skills as well.
0: Another example I think you had was where you helped an organisation with their branding and and getting a grasp of their their customers, understanding their customer voice. Uh, Can you tell us a bit about that, Katie?
2: Yeah, so we were helping them with um, understanding their impact with their customers and their stakeholders. Um, One of the things that they felt as a team was that they... They were delivering work like crazy. They were working in a very frenetic way. uh, But actually, they weren't getting kind of positive feedback from their customers. They didn't really understand what it was that was required of them. So we decided that we would engage with their customers and stakeholders. And in order to do this, we did a survey. We based it a lot on Hogan's theory of, of using the dark side of personality. So when we think about the dark side, what we're really interested in understanding is when we have a strength, sometimes we can overplay that strength. So we we may do something that we know we're good at because it's comfortable, because it's easy and because we know that we can do it well. But sometimes we may rely on that too heavily. So in this particular instance, this team was relying very heavily on their ability to deliver individually, and they weren't collaborating, so they ended up duplicating. Equally, they were very good at innovating and finding new ways of doing things. but They weren't allowing enough time for those things to embed. That said, they didn't realize this at the outset, so we helped them to realize that by engaging with their customers, getting customer insights through a questionnaire that we designed, and specifically so that the questions were worded both positively and negatively. And then we used some of that information to then present how the team perceived themselves, how their stakeholders perceived them and how their customers perceived them. And through that comparison, they were able to see that the things that they knew that they were really good at their customers also appreciated, but then they were creating these big gaps which had, because they were overplaying some of their strengths, they were leaving gaps in some of the other areas.
0: Wow, that sounds really fascinating, focusing on the dark side. And and it worked?
2: Yes, so it did. The the team learnt that they needed to collaborate a lot more and it was something that they made a real focus and through doing that they were able to ensure that they were not initiating different things at different points in different teams and places but actually they were much more consistent across the board with all of their customers and stakeholders which their stakeholders Um, and customers appreciated.
0: And given that their preference was to focus on their strengths as you were saying and, and to overdo them, I'm assuming that preference would stay. How did you help them overcome their internal uh, voice that was saying, no, no, do more working on your own and, oh, I hate collaborating, I don't want to do it?
2: So a huge part of it was that self-realization of what we're actually doing and the impact of that. So by having that customer insight, they could understand that the impact of them all being very competitive, innovative and working very fast-paced in that sense, while it has positives in many Parts of work that they were they were leaving their customers wanting in, in other areas, and it was that self insight that helped them to just take a step back and decide, okay, actually, we're stronger if we cover all areas of our customer needs rather than focusing so intensely on these few.
0: Okay, so they, they had you built up a motivation in, within them to to want to do the things that previously they'd been shying away from.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's a great example. Thank you. Transformation and change. Hugh, quite a hot topic, been hot for quite a long time. Just give us the Hugh Stewart-Buttle take on change and transformation and, and the approach you take.
3: Actually, there was a, a statistic I read the other day, actually. Uh, McKinsey uh, suggesting that 70% of transformation programmes fail. So failure is the thing I think we're trying to address. And what
0: is it that you are specifically offering? What's your approach that, that helps them avoid this? trap?
3: Uh, I mean, we take quite a strong uh, communication approach on this one. Uh, and, and I think it's fundamental. But, you know, the way in which leaders come out of the blocks on change, sets the tone for whether or not you're going to accept it as a, as someone being changed. And, and you haven't even got to like it, but you got to accept it. Um, nobody likes the fact that you're going to set uh, lay a whole load of people off. But actually, if it means that the survival of the business is at hand and uh, you can convince people that that's the right direction to go, then people will go with that. So I think it's helping leaders to really paint the vision. Hopefully they're not so negative, uh, but painting the vision of why we're actually changing and what that picture looks like in really simple terms and keeping with it for day in, day out. Uh, I've often when I work with leaders and they say as I've told you before and I say don't ever say as I've told you before because actually people need to hear these stories day in day out as if it's the first time they've heard it because for people going through change it's not always the right time for them to hear what you actually have to say
0: I mean, that is very much a strategic approach, isn't it? It's saying this is the destination that we're heading towards. And then you, you help people uh, along with that journey. I mean, what, in your experience, how good are people at thinking strategically and actually applying a strategic approach to what they do in, in when, when in change?
3: Well, I think it's... Um... And I've worked a lot in my career with a lot of uh, scientifically based organizations. And and I think the more expert people are, the more scientific they are. Sometimes they find it really hard to paint that broader picture. So helping them to be able to paint that picture of where the business is going, what it means for me as an individual in a laboratory, is a very tough ask for leaders and why you get the disconnects. The bigger the organization, the more the disconnects. Uh, And also leaders have often moved on to the next thing on their agenda and forget that actually people are only just starting to get to grips with the fact that we're going to change. I'm not going to have the same colleagues. I'm not going to have the same environment. I'm not going to have the same job even. Do you have an
0: example you could share with us to illustrate this in action?
3: Oh, sure. If I'm involved in change, I insist on getting leaders together face to face, whether they're across the globe uh, whether it's 50 leaders or 100 leaders, and I insist upon having a two-day program with them. Uh, because actually, it's only then that you sit down and people realize what the change is about. And the bigger the organization, you've got different interpretations. So having that real fundamental uh agreement on what we're trying to do in this change, what my role is, how we're going to roll it out, what the time is, are we energetic enough to do that? is the only way you can get these things, in my experience, to really move with momentum. Right, right. And, um, so, and I'll, I'll break that down a little bit more, because actually when, we, when, when I've done that in the past uh, and um, you bring leaders together, I, I will also get them to understand their own communication style. And I want to link back to what, one of the things that Katie said, actually, on this thing. I, I, I remember well one particularly. They'd all done this little survey on what their style was. Okay. And there was one guy who was very, uh, his style was very warm. He, was, he, he liked to be very friendly with people. And uh, he, we were putting them through their rigors uh, of the rehearsing here. And so I thought, this is far too comfortable. He was laying people off. He was going to lay 500 people off. And uh, so we started to turn up the, the, the volume on this thing gave him some really tough questions. And the next thing we had was a really strong reaction from him. And he was pointing with his finger uh, at the people who were in the room and he was getting really upset and angry. And it was only because we'd actually done the styles, c- communication styles, that he realized that his, uh, understood that his default style was uh, was one which was very directive. And he didn't realize that that's the way that he behaved under duress. Right. And, and so was he able to change? Absolutely. I, and, and it's not a matter of change. It's being aware of your behavior. Right. And, you know, that's the psychology piece on this thing. It's actually awareness of your behavior uh, that I think is, uh, is part of the issue here. When you're aware of what you, the way you're going to behave, you can actually deal with it.
0: Mm. That's a great example. Thank you. Lynn, uh, one thing I know you've done to help people is you've set up this concept of the AG Leaders Club. Tell us a bit more about that then.
1: So this is an opportunity for individuals and teams to come and get some help from the people in AG Comms uh, that have that have delivered all of these things before and and come across some of these challenges. Mm. So this is practical tools and tips of how to be a leader in certain scenarios. Okay. And whether this is for leading yourself, whether this is for leading other people, other leaders, and other projects, or if this is leading the organisational change and transformation.
0: So is this some kind of Gentlemen's club, then, where we all turn up and sit around in leather chairs and smoke cigars, or something different?
1: Not at all. This is once you join one of the sessions, you are then into the AG Leaders Club where you can have access to coaches, you can have access to materials, hints, tips, and also join in the conversations.
0: Okay. So, what is a subscription thing that, that you get access then to the material?
1: You will you will sign up for a session that um is, is bespoke for you and then you are in the club.
0: Oh right, okay. And just give us a flavour of the kind of training that you offer then, a few of the course titles, maybe.
1: Okay. So in the leading yourself areas, this is looking at things like having that conversation. So helping leaders delivering those difficult messages. We have the confident communicator. So that's developing confidence as a a communicator within your team, within your function, within your organization. We also have something called the impactful leader, which is an intensive one-to-one session designed to help you understand who you are as a leader, enhance your credibility and your impact. And then in the leading people and projects area, we have a coaching club. So this is a workshops to help you create and develop your own inspiring coaching culture within your organization. We've also got the Complete Leader, which is improving the way that you can deliver and embed your messages across the organization. So this, this is taking it a little step further from the, from the leading yourself to leading people and
3: projects. mm mm-hmm.
1: And then on the leading transformation and change, we have three specific areas that we focus on. And and this comes from our experience with leaders who we're delivering these things today with some of our leadership clients. There's the trusted leader. So that's identifying skills to make you a trusted, effective communications leader during times of change. We've also got the culture club, which I quite like, Hmm. Um, this is looking at how to create positive and effective culture change and strategies that are fit for the future across your organization. Mm-hmm. And this is just the high level um, here's how to think and deliver a strategy. But 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 these are the these are the little stepping stones along the way as well that you will see progress and how,
0: how to get things moving in the organization. So is the club active now, Lynn? I mean, can people join now?
1: Absolutely. The club is active because We're delivering all of these programs in our existing client groups at the moment. What's new for us is that we're sharing this outside of our clients. So this is available now for anybody to come and join, whether you're an individual wanting to develop yourself or whether you are a team within an organization that needs some support. Great. it's, it's completely bespoke because everybody's needs are different, but the skills and the journey and the tips actually are very consistent agro- across different groups of people, ad- across different cultures. And that's what we're seeing. We, we're giving advice and hints and tips to be used that, that is consistent across people, regardless of what environment you're coming from. But understanding that and then, and applying that in your own environment is, is the areas that we really help you with.
0: Yeah, yeah, good. Okay, thank you. So if someone wants to know more about uh, AG comms and in particular the, the AG Leaders Club, how do they find that out?
1: Please get in touch with us. We're on LinkedIn. We are AG comms. We're on Twitter. And um, we, we can also go to our website, which is agcommunications.co.uk.
0: Brilliant. And I'll put that in the show notes as well for people. Well, thank you, folks, for talking with me this morning. I'd like to say thank you to Lynn Ashcroft-Griffiths, Katie Humes and Hugh Stewart-Buttle of AG Communications. It's been great. Thank you, Paul.
1: Thank you. Thank you.